0: You know, I am so proud of that young man. You know, he know, used to, he's been at our church since he was a little boy, and to see him grow up, and he's so tall now. But he is the leader of our youth ministry, and is doing such a great job. And if you have a junior high school, or middle age school child, or a child, or a high school student, you want to get them connected to our youth ministry because he is such a great leader, and I think they'll absolutely. Love Him. Uh, um, I just want to tell you, it's, it's so exciting to see all the things that God is doing. The baptisms that we had last weekend, as, as Todd mentioned, we've got Harvest Fest coming up. And, and the reason why we're doing registration for that, we have three specific hours, five, six, and seven, is because we, want all, we don't want all the kids and families to show up at one, so you have five or six hundred people packed into one hour, and, and that will just make it a little bit too... Crunchy around here, so we've spread it out, and that's and we're going to do everything we can to accommodate everybody who wants to come to that event. So, so again, if you haven't signed up, sign up, and then uh, we'll get back to you as soon as we uh, open up some space. But uh, hey, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to all of you who are online. Hundreds of you, actually, close to more than a thousand of you, watch us every single weekend from all over the world, all over the country, and we're so glad. You're out there and I'm so glad you're here and I know we've got a bunch of people out in the lobby and also in the face center. So thank you for being here. I am excited to open up God's word you today. So grab your Bible. We're going to jump in. It's always helpful, I think, to have a pad of paper to take notes about what we're talking about here. And again, you can follow everything that we're doing here this morning on our South Bay Community Church app. And if you don't have it, you can get it from the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. You can do it right now because we've got Wi-Fi in here. And then and then you can follow along with us as well. All right. So, hey, before I start, I want to I want to open up our time in a word of prayer because it's... So important that we, uh, we come before the Lord. And I know that some of you are going through some really tough times. And so let's just come before the Lord and ask him to, to carry our burdens and uh, bless each one of us today, okay? Father, thank you so much. It's so good to be here. Lord, this is the best. This day is the best day of my life as, as we get a chance, the best day of my life every single week as we get a chance to gather together to worship you, to fellowship and be with one another, to hear your word. And Father, I pray that this weekend would be just as powerful as the last weekend and the weekend before that and the weekend after that and the weekends that are going to be coming up here real soon. And Father, we just invite you and ask you to show up here in a, in a very powerful and meaningful way to touch each and every one of our hearts. And Lord, I want to lift my brothers and sisters up to you, all those who are out watching, who are watching us right now, who may be listening to this later on, weeks weeks later after this message has been given, that you would Touch them, because I know there's some folks who are going through some really tough times right now at this very moment, Lord, whatever their needs are, whatever their struggles are, Lord, show them how faithful and how good and how real you are. So, Lord, will you speak to us today? You know, I just, I go, Lord, it can't be me. It, it's gotta be all you. So do that now, and I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wanna begin today by sharing with you some good news some bad news and some good news, all right? Good news, bad news, good news. And here comes Mark Anderson, so that's really good news. So Mark's, (laughs) I'm only kidding, I can do that to Mark. I wouldn't do that to anybody else, but I can do that, right, I can do that to Mark, right? So anyways, good to have you here, Mark. Anyways, good news, bad news, and good news, all right? And first, the good news is that last Sunday we were supposed to baptize Tom Kinoshita. It was his birthday, it was his 90th birthday last Sunday. But that week, he developed some, some medical issues, and so he had to go to the hospital. And I want you to know that they ran some tests, and, they, and everything came back okay. And so they let him go, and he's, he, I understand he's doing fine. I haven't seen him this, him this morning, but he's doing fine. And so we hope that next time we have our baptisms, so he'll be able to jump in and take the plunge. So that's really good news, that Tom is okay. So we really praise the Lord for that. Yeah, that's, you can applaud for that. Okay, the bad news, all right. The bad news is I, I received an email this week and um, you know, it was kind of a punch to the gut. I was going to say gut to the punch. No, it's punch to the gut. And, um, and I want to put it up here for you, all right? And here's what the email said. Dear Pastor, I want you to know that we visited your church last Sunday and not a single person spoke to us. Your church isn't friendly at all. Therefore, we will not be back. <laughs> That's, that was the email that I got. And you know it's it's one of those emails that no pastor ever wants to get, right? No pastor ever wants to get. I mean, and cuz it, cuz it's tough and, and you don't want that to be true of your church, all right? So that's the bad news. Here's the good news. The email's fake. All right? <laughs> I made it up. You know, I I made it up. Nobody wow. <laughs> nobody nobody sent it to me, but I wanted I wanted I made it up and I wanted to sh- put it <laughs> He's freaking out over here. (laughs) Somebody get some water, okay? I wanted to share it with you because I think it reminds us of the impact, the impact that each of us can have on each other here in church, right? People will actually decide to stay in this church or leave because of whether or not we say hello to them, whether or not we are friendly toward them. And the sad part is, I guess you could say this is kind of bad news, but sad part is I wouldn't be surprised that over the last 30 years, there have probably been some, been some people who have come to our church and no one said hello to them. They didn't feel like we're friendly and they left and never came back. I wouldn't be surprised and, and that would just break my heart. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Greg kicked off a new series here called Who Is My Neighbor?, and think about that, who's my neighbor? That's a really good question. And the question was actually asked of Jesus in the scriptures. Someone asked Jesus, of, uh, asked him that question in the scriptures. In, fr- in fact, if, you t- if we find it in Luke chapter 10 and, and Pastor Greg covered this, and, but I wanna just refresh your memories. The question was asked by a religious lawyer. He was a, he was a religious lawyer and he asked Jesus, he, well, he told Jesus, he wanted to know what he needed to do to inherit eternal life, right? Well, in answer to the question, how do I interpret, you know, inherit eternal life? Jesus pointed him to the Mosaic law, which in the Mosaic law says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Right? So in answer to the question, you know, he, he, pointed him, he pointed him to, in answer to the question, how do I inherit eternal life? He pointed him to the Mosaic law. You got to love the Lord your God and then you gotta love your neighbor as yourself. And that's when this lawyer guy asked Jesus the question, all right, so who's my neighbor? You say, I gotta love my neighbor. Well, who's my neighbor? Well, take a look at it. It's found in Luke chapter 10, verse 29. That's the question right there. But he desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And it's a fair question. It's a fair question, so let me unpack it for you first. The verse, you shall love the Lord your God, the Mosaic law, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, uh, comes from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18 in the Old Testament. Leviticus is one of the first five books of the Old Testament referred to as the Torah. We call it the Pentateuch. And you can see it right here. I put it up here for you. You can, right there in the middle of it, it says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, right? That's where this all comes from. Now get this. If you take a look at this verse, the Hebrew word for neighbor, because this passage was written in Hebrew, the Hebrew word for neighbor is reah. Now this is all going to make sense in a little bit, so follow follow along with me. Stay with me. The Hebrew word for neighbor is reah, and it means friend or companion, or can even mean lover, all right? Your neighbor is your friend, your companion, or your lover, reah, all right? Now, thus, this verse can actually be rendered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, mind, and and, and mind, strength and mind, and your friend or your companion as yourself. It can actually be rendered that way. That's what the word neighbor means in Hebrew. But in the Greek, which is what the New Testament was written in, the word neighbor has a totally different meaning. Again, stay with me, all right? In the Greek, as we see it here in Luke 10, 29... And in Matthew 22, 38 through 39, I'll put that one up here for you. In Matthew 22, 38-39, when Jesus said, This is the great and first commandment, and I and a second like is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The word neighbor here is the Greek word plasios. It's the word plasios, and it means near or close to. All right? It doesn't mean companion, it doesn't mean friend, like it does in Hebrew. It means near or close to. Now, here's what I want you to understand. In the Greek, the word neighbor has a spatial connotation. It has a spatial connotation that we don't see in the Hebrew. In the Old Testament, the Jews thought of their neighbor as someone who was their companion or their friend. But in the New Testament, your neighbor was anyone who was near or close to you. In other words, anyone who was in your Physical proximity, who is close to you in physical proximity. Your neighbor was, even a stranger, was someone that you shared space with. You see the difference between the two? And that's the New Testament definition of the word neighbor. So if you want to know who your neighbor is, according to the New Testament, Greek, all you need to do is look to your left or your right, or look in front of you and look behind you, and that's your neighbor. The person next to you is your neighbor because that's the Greek definition of the word neighbor, right? So if the person next to you is your neighbor, not just your friend, not just your companion, not just your lover. But if the person next to you at any given moment, physical proximity, if that's your neighbor, then it begs the question, how do you treat them, right? How do you treat your neighbor? How do you relate to them? Well, if you look down At verse 33 and 34 in Leviticus 19, you go back to Leviticus 19 again. If you look down at verse 33, it tells us how to treat your neighbor. Take a look at it. It says, when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, a stranger sojourns, sojourns means to dwell. So when there's a stranger in your land, lives with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. Verse 34, you shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you and you shall love him as yourself for you were strangers in the land of Egypt I am the Lord your God so Moses who was the author of this book the book of Leviticus said that the way that you love your neighbor is by treating him as if they are one of you you treat them as if they're one of you and he said in verse 34 you shall treat the stranger who sojourns among you as a native among yourself. Sojourn again means to dwell. The Hebrew word for native, this is so interesting. Hebrew word for native means one who, is ri- who arises out of the soil. One who arises out of the soil. Thus Moses was saying, treat the stranger among you, the Jews, for example, you're speaking of Jews, treat, the Jew, uh, uh, treat those among you as if he was or she was a Jew. Treat them like that, as if they rose out of the same soil that you came out of yourself. That's what he's saying. In other words, treat the stranger as if they are one of your own, one of your very own, as if they came out of your own soil, as if they came out of your own ethnic heritage, as if they came out of your own bloodline. That's how you treat them. You treat them as if they are one of your own. You know, the other day I had a a question about my cell phone. So I went to see Francisco, who works at the kiosk, uh, the phone kiosk, At the Costco in Torrance. I've been going to Francisco for years, and he's always takes care of getting our, our family, our phones. And so I, I saw him and I hadn't seen him in a while. And as soon as I saw him, he said, hey, where have you been? He says, it's been so long. How come I haven't seen you? How come you haven't come to say hello to me? Where have you been? How's your church? And I've been trying to get him to come to her church for years and years. And he hasn't come yet. And he said, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there. And he hasn't come. But anyways, it was so great to see him. And, and, and he was talking to me. And then he said, hey, I met somebody who goes to your church. And I said, Really? He says, Yeah, I don't remember his first name, and I think his last name was Kim. And I said, Well, that's half our church. (laughs) When Francisco couldn't help me with my particular issue, he suggested that I go to the carrier. He says, I think you need to go to the carrier, and I won't tell you who the carrier is. He says, You need to go to the carrier and I think they might be able to solve your problem. I said, okay, I'll go to the carrier. So I went, so I said, where's the carrier at? And he said, oh, he told me, gave me some directions. I said, okay, so I, so I headed down to the carrier and I walked that even, same evening. I walked in the carrier and the agent who was standing at the desk at the, at the front counter didn't greet me the same way that Francisco did. In fact, I, as soon as I went, didn't even say hello and I went up and I went up to her and I said, hi, I, I have a question about my phone. And, and before I could even say anything further, she cut me off and she said, we don't take walk-ins, you have to make an appointment. Oh, you know, I was taken aback, I was shocked. I, I mean, I wasn't taken aback because I had to make an appointment. I mean, if I have to make an appointment, I, I said, I didn't know I had to make an appointment. Yeah, you need to make an appointment. And like so I was like, oh, okay, it was more taken aback by how she said it. And it just seems to me, I don't know, I, I share these incidents with you all the time, it just seems to me, I don't know if it just happens to me, but, but probably, Right. Cheryl says, I think it's you. And, um, <laughs> but it just seems to me that people are, are not very nice anymore. I mean everywhere I go, just people aren't nice. You go to the fast food food line and someone just says, here's your here's your hamburger, here just throws it out the window. It's like, oh, thank you. And it's like, and they don't even say anything. It's like, oh, oh you know, it just I don't know, that just me. Is if is if it just it doesn't seem that people are as accommodating as they used to be. And it's as if you're intruding on their time. And, and I think that as time goes on, things are going to get worse. I think that, that people are going to get meaner and people are going to get colder. And, that, and that's because, as we've said around here, the Bible says that in the last days, the hearts of people will grow cold. And, and that's what seems to be happening. And I, and I get that many who might be outside of the church, you know, not church people, I, I get that they might act that way. But that should never be the case of somebody who is in the church. Should never be the case of somebody who says they're a Christ follower. You know, in a message a while back, I, I quoted Charles Spurgeon, who said that the church is the dearest place on earth, right? And I believe that. I believe this is the dearest place on earth, the dearest place on earth. Well, I submit that the church should also be the kindest place on earth. It ought to be the kindest place on earth, But is it? Well, if we were honest, I think we'd all agree that it's something we can work on. We probably need to work on it. You know, back in 2006, a a, a woman named Judith Umlas wrote a book in which she asked this question. I'm going to put the quote up here for you. This is how she began the book. She wrote, quote, What actions would you take if you knew with absolute certainty that a simple action you could take every day for no cost and little effort would change your world and the world at large dramatically and profoundly for the better. So she asked, what action can you take that would cost you nothing, would, could literally change the whole world? You know what she was referring to? She was referring to the power of acknowledgement. In fact, that was the title of her book, The Power of Acknowledgement. And according to the dictionary, I looked it up. The word acknowledgement is the act of acknowledging something or someone. That's what, I'll put the definition up here for you. Acknowledgement is the act of acknowledging something or someone, right? And whether it's in the church or in a marriage or in a classroom or at work, in life itself, everyone desires to be acknowledged. We all long to be acknowledged. Uh, There is no one of us who wants to be ignored. There is no one of us who wants to be invisible. And in order for the church to be the kindest place on earth, we've got to understand the power of acknowledgement. We've got to understand this. And here's the thing. We all possess the power. We all possess the power. Children possess the power. Teenagers possess the power. Uh, older adults, young adults possess the power. Those of you who are in your 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and even 90s possess the power. Everyone possesses the power of acknowledgement but sadly not everybody uses this power i can count the number of times i can't count the number of times i should say when when someone i knew walked into a room in which i was in and they didn't acknowledge me i.e they didn't even say hello and i i know it's happened to you i it happens to all of us and uh how do you feel when when People don't even say hello to you. How do you feel? Not good. And the worst part is I know that I've been guilty of that myself. I know there have been times I've, I've just not said hello to people and probably to some of you haven't said hello to you and I've done it myself. See if the church is to be the kindest place on earth and that's my dream for our church. Man, we would be the kind, the dearest place on earth and the kindest place on earth. You know, that's what I want. Um, we've got to begin if we want that we've got to begin exercising the power of acknowledgement and here's the good news we can start doing that today we can ex- exercise the power of acknowledgement today we can begin acknowledging people with one simple word you know what it is hi hello hola in spanish right uh in Korea. i think that's one word is, it, is that one word dan i don't know if it's one word Maybe two words. Uh, how about how's it? For those of you who speak pidgin, yeah, I don't get that. How how's it? In my economy, how's it? It's two words. How is it? How's actually three words. How's it? <laughs> but you know those folks from Hawaii. One word. One one word. How's it? How's it? How's it, bro? Right? We can begin exercising the power of acknowledgment with just one word, or maybe two words, good morning, hi there, if you're from the land down under, hey mate, right, one or two words, and you can begin acknowledging, you can use the power of acknowledgement. Here at church, we have volunteers, right, who stand at the doors, you might have seen them this morning, they stand at the front doors every weekend, and just to say those one or two words as you walk in, we call them greeters. Now, some people think that it's the greeter's job to greet people so that they don't have to, right? Well, first of all, let me just say, it's not a job, right? It's not a job to say hi to someone, right? Saying hello is the most basic of human interactions. It's just what we do, right? First thing I wake up in the morning, I turn to my wife and say, good morning, sweetie. Hi, sweetie. How are you? Hi, Cheryl. It's so simple. I say that to my daughters, same thing. And so um, it is the most, it's just what we do. So say, so say hi to people, right? Say hi to people. And I understand it may not come easily for some, right? Because some of you are introverts, kind of like, and you just, you just, you don't want to say hi, but you know, but, and that's why it's important uh, to teach our young people, teach our children to say hi. It's so important that we do that. Um, we got to start them young, right? Cheryl and I have always told our girls, you always say hi, right? We go to a family gathering, you always say hi to everybody, right? Go give them a hug, right? And you, when you go to the office, you walk in the don't walk in the office, ignore everybody. Just hey, good morning, everybody. Hi, 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 Donna, hi, Ernie, right? Hi, Jim. Just just say hi to people when you when you walk in. You go to you school. You go to your class. Say hi to people. Uh, and I and I I really believe it's up to parents to teach that to their kids and also to model it for them. So first. It's not a job to say hello, right? It's not anyone's job to say hello. It's the most basic of human interactions. Second, it's not the greeter's job alone to say hello. It's everyone's job to say hello. All of us need to say hello to everyone around us. We should all be welcoming. We should, and, and, and I would add, we, we had to do it cheerfully, right? Do it with a smile. Do it like Mark Anderson does all the time, right? I mean, just with a smile, with, it, with a cheerfulness, not grudging like, hi. Hey. Uh. Hi. Oh yeah, yeah, what side of the bed did you wake up on this morning, right? And 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 be genuine about it. Not fake, right? Like, you know, like hi, you know, I you know, I mean be be no, like, hi. Be you, we should all practice this, right? This is crazy. Be be genuine as if you you really mean it from your heart that you're happy to see someone. And then um and so today, um I'm issuing a pastoral decree. I have, I've done very few of these in 30 years. Done a couple of them, I think. Can't remember the last one I did, but I'm issuing a pastoral decree. All right, and here's the decree. I'll put it up here for you. From this day forward, you are all greeters, right? You are all greeters. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. You, congratulations. You are all officially members of the greeting team. Russell, Look at all these people you have on your ministry. She is now has the largest ministry in our church, the greeting ministry. So, so now it's your responsibility to say hi to everyone, to all of your neighbors, to anyone in who, who is in your physical proximity. If there's no one there, you don't have to say hi. All right? And um, here's, here's what I want you to do. In fact, in fact, why don't you just do it right now, right? Turn to the people, turn to someone next to you and just say, hi, neighbor, how are you? Hi, neighbor. Hey, Regina, how are you? Good to see you. Hi, Dennis. And I, and I want to encourage you to, to do that. For example, I, I want to challenge you to do that um, every single time you're here. And even outside of church. But when you, when you see people in the lobby, say hi to them. When you see people in the hallway, say hi to them. When you, when you see people at the hospitality table and you're trying to get there first to get something before they do, you know, say, say hi to them, right? If you're in the restroom, say hi to people. But remember that they're doing business, so don't get too chummy, all right? Say hi to people in the parking lot, right? Say, say hi to people in the worship center. And uh, I want to encourage you, wear your name tag. Because if you're like me, I'm getting more forgetful. And so if you wear your name tag, in fact, if you put it on your forehead, it's probably easier to read. <laughs> but you don't have to do that. Just put it right here and just, and, and that'll help you to remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, your name was Paul. Oh, yeah, good to see you again, Paul. Right? How are you, Paul? Nice to see you. I mean, start doing that. You know what? Can you imagine what would happen if everyone in our church greeted everyone in our church all the time, people would begin to feel valued because they were acknowledged. And you would begin to feel valued because you were acknowledged. And no one would ever write us with an email and say that you, have a, you don't have a very friendly church and I'm not coming back. I hope you'll do that, the power of acknowledgement. Um, And you know why it's important we start here? You know why it's important we start right here in the church? It's because of what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 4.25. Let me show this to you. Ephesians 4.25, Paul wrote, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, Plesios, those who are in your close proximity, for we are members of one another. You see, in this particular passage, he was speaking to the church at Ephesus, so he was speaking to believers, and so he was saying, "Hey, believers, those who are in your proximity in church, there you are members of one another. You are members of one another. Let me let me unpack this for you. You know, the Bible uses, as you know, the Bible uses the the body as a metaphor for the church, right? And we know that Christ is the head of our of the church. Christ is the head of our church, and then and then we are the body of Christ. So we are the body, and." It says here, Paul said here, we are members as the, as the body of Christ. We are members of one another. What does he mean by that? It's kind of like redwood trees in Sequoia. Have you been to Sequoia? Cheryl and I went there many, many years ago. Take a look at this. We visited there many years ago. And w- these things are so huge and so massive, you can barely see us on the very, very, very bottom. Right? And uh, we're so tiny. Uh, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but... Redwood trees tend to grow in clusters. Did you know that? They tend to grow in clusters. And the reason why they grow in clusters is because they have a very shallow root system. right? For those of you botanists, is that what you call them? They have a very shallow root system. So in other words, their roots don't go down deep. Their roots go out wide. In fact, uh, the roots of a redwood tree can fan out anywhere from 100 to 150 feet. They fan out over 100 to 150 feet. And that allows redwoods to capture more water because its roots are spread out over a wider area. It gets more water because of that. And then it allows the trees to interconnect with each other. The roots begin to interconnect and intertwine with one one another. And that makes the tree stronger so that when, especially when the wind blows, the trees won't get blown down because they're all interconnected. They're all just holding on to one another for dear life. And that's why these redwood trees kind of grow in clusters. And it's very rare when you see a redwood tree standing out there all by itself. Well, in the same way, Christ followers are interconnected with each other. We are members of one another. That's what Paul meant. We are members of one another. We are bound together like redwoods, and that makes us stronger. That makes us stronger, and, and it helps us to resist temptation. It helps us to withstand the storms of life when we are interconnected. That's why we come together. That's why it's so important for the church to gather together because we need each other and we pray for each other and we encourage each other and hear God's word together and we worship each other. See, we are members of one another. We are interconnected and that makes us stronger when we go out in the world. And the reason why we need to exercise the power of acknowledgement in the church is because God has given us a special bond with one another. In other words, we are, we are, we are family We share the same father that makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. And so the church, the power of acknowledgement needs to begin right here. Begins right here in the church. So church, let's be kind to one another. all right? And remember that we are members of one another. We need each other. We are interconnected with one another. Now, many years ago, a teacher handed out a sheet of paper to everyone in class. It was actually on both sides. And on the sheet were the names of everybody in the class, all the students that were in the class. And she said, okay, class, here's your assignment. Here, here's what I want you to do. And she said, B- beside the name of every student in your class, and your name is on there, I want you to write something nice about that person. All right? So, so they spent the next hour, and they went through each one in the class. I don't know, 25, 30 students. And beside, in the space, beside each name, they wrote down nice things about that person, all right? At the end of the class, she collected all the papers and she said, thank you very much. I'll get these back to you uh, next week. So that weekend, she took all the papers home and she started to figure them all out and she decided to compile them and put them all together. Here's what she did. She got a blank piece of paper and she wrote the name of the first student. Let's say his name was John Smith, all right? So she wrote out John Smith. And then she went through all the papers and she wrote down all the comments that people made about John Smith. All right, Sally said this about John Smith, and so she wrote that one down, and, and Carol wrote this about John Smith, and she wrote that down, and Joe wrote this about John, and she wrote all that down. And when she went back to school on Monday, she handed, out, she handed out that piece of paper to every single classmate. Here's your paper, here's your list, here's your list, here's your list. And when she handed it all out, pretty soon she could see smiles breaking out all over the room. And she could hear the students talking to one another. Wow, and she heard things like, wow, I didn't, I didn't know that anyone even liked me. I didn't know that so-and-so felt this way about me, and I, boy, I'm so, this is so neat, this is so great. And um, well, it was one of the neatest assignments that the class ever had. Well, the class went on, and semester ended, and school ended, and the students, they graduated, and they went on to different places. And then a few years later they got terrible terrible news that one of the students in the class was killed in a military conflict. And so uh it was it was terrible news and it was it was in the news. And they had a big funeral for him, a military funeral. And so and so the teacher went back, she went back to the to the she went to the funeral and uh, many of the classmates went back to the funeral. And it was time to go up and pay in her last respects, a teacher went up and as she stood at the casket, one of the pallbearers must have recognized her and he was wearing also wearing a military uniform. He went up to her and he said, excuse me, but were you Mark's math teacher? And she said, well, yes, I was. And he said, Mark talked about you all the time. Well, at the reception, they all went to the reception. Mark's parents looked forward to, to chatting with his teacher And when they saw her, Mark's dad went up to her, and he said, I want to show you something. And he reached into his pocket, and he pulled out a folded piece of paper, and he unfolded it, and he says, this piece of paper was found on Mark when he was killed, and I thought you might recognize it. And it was a worn notebook paper that had obviously been taped and folded and refolded over and over many times throughout the years, and the teacher immediately recognized her writing. And it was the list that she wrote out of all the nice things that Mark's classmates said about him. And he kept it on his possession, on his person. It was found on his person when he died. And Mark's dad said to the teacher, thank you so much for doing this. And as you can see, Mark truly treasured it. And then all of a sudden, all of Mark's classmates who were gathered around started to chime in. Charles smiled and said, you know, I still have my list. I keep it in the top desk, top drawer of my desk at home. Bob's wife said, Bob asked me to put ours, his list, in our wedding album, and so I did. Janet said, I still have mine, and Vicky said, you know, because another one of class, Mark's classmates, pulled out her purse, pulled out the wallet in her purse, and and out of that purse, she pulled out that worn and tattered, frazzled, frazzled list. She said, I carry it with me all the time. She said, I think all of us saved our lists. You know, isn't it amazing how much of an impact kindness can have on someone? It's amazing what some a few words of encouragement can have on other people. So not only do people long to be acknowledged, people long to be affirmed. But that's not what people get these days, especially these days. That's not what kids get. That's not what adults get. And and so often, kids, for example, will get it even from their own parents. I mean, they'll get it from their own parents with words like, why can't you be like your brother or sister? Right? You're such a bum. You're just no good, man. What's wrong with you? You're stupid, or you're ugly. You never listen, or maybe from a bully at school. I wish you were never born. You can't do anything right. No one likes you. And if that isn't bad enough, we live in a culture where someone doesn't agree with you or like you, they cancel you as if, You're worthless. Here's how two Proverbs remind us of the power of words. Proverbs 12, 18 says, there's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, like sword thrusts. In other words, words wound us deeply. They can wound us deeply like a sword thrust into your back. And words cut, and not only that, words can kill. Words can kill. Proverbs 18 21, the next verse says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death is in the power of the tongue. Not only can cancer kill, guns can kill, drugs can kill, but words can kill. Did you know that? Words can kill. And the Old Testament proverb reminds us that words can cause irreparable harm to every soul. But the good news is, according to this verse, words can also give life. Words can give life like it did to Mark and his classmates. I mean, the best thing his, their math teacher ever did was not to teach them how to solve an algebra problem. The best thing she ever did was give them the opportunity to speak life and encouragement into the life of each other. The power of, incur- of affirmation. Paul put it this way in Romans 15, verse 2. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good. Let each of us please his plesios for his good to build him up. We're to build one another up. Isn't that good? Not, so not only do we need to say hi to our neighbors, but we should also seek to build each other up. Build each other up. And what better way to do that than by speaking words of affirmation, words that are seasoned with grace, words that are meant to, intended to heal and not slice up, words that are meant to build up and not tear down, words that encourage and not discourage, words that unite and not divide, words that sow love and not hate. After all, isn't that what God did for us? His words, his word to us builds us up. Listen to what, let me just, I just picked three verses here, and I want to read read them to you, but listen to what God's word says to us. 1 John 3, 1, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and gave him, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. You see, beloved, we... You are so special. You are so special. You are a child of God. It says it right here. You are a child of God. And he created you before the foundations of the world, made you fearfully and wonderfully in his image. You are loved and you are chosen. You are redeemed and you are forgiven. That's who you are. And sadly, we live in a world where most people will never hear these words and they will never understand these truths. All they will hear are words like sword thrusts that will slice them to pieces. And that's what's happening in our world today. And that's why it's so important that we speak words of affirmation. And that's how we can love our neighbor. And what are some examples of affirming words that we can say to one another? How about these two words? You matter. You matter. I like this one. You rock, right? You rock. Or how about, I love you. I believe in you. I'm proud of you. I am so thankful for you. You're the best. You're the best. You are so nice. I don't know what I'd do without you. How about words like that? Someone once said that kind words cost little, but are worth much. I think that's kind words cost little, but they're worth much. So here's my question. Who can you affirm this week with your words? Who can you affirm? And not just this. And how about who can you affirm today? Don't worry about the week. Re- how about today? In fact, who can you affirm every day, all the time, right? Don't wait, just do it. Begin affirming the people around you. Let me close with one final thought. What do you do with that neighbor who is not so neighborly, right? What do you do when you go to some place, your phone carrier, and a person doesn't greet you, but is just downright rude to you? What do you do when that person in the Target parking lot cuts you off. I have, I've had two, I got cut off twice this week, not in the Target parking lot, but just right on Figueroa. Got, got cut off twice this week. And um, oh, why does it always happen to me? I don't know if it's just, it's just me. <laughs> Cheryl says it's you, right? What do you do to that person? It might even be the person you're married to who just says some really mean words. What do you do? How do you react? Well, if you're, obviously we need to forgive, right? That's what the Bible says. We need to continually forgive one another. And by the way, if you're the one dishing out the bad treatment or you're the one who's being rude, well, then, you know, especially if you're a Christ follower, I would say to you, do a heart check and see if you can clean that up. You can become more like Christ. But one of the things I've learned, and this is what I want to get to, one of the things I've learned in recent years is that I can't control how someone treats me but I can control how I react to someone who treats me poorly. You get that? Let me put it up here for you. I can't control how someone, who treats, how someone treats me, but I can control how I react to someone who treats me poorly. You know, believe it or not, it's taken me a long time to learn this, right? It's even taking a little longer in terms of controlling how I react, because, because and I'm still working on it, because I don't always react very well. My, my first inclination is to react negatively to those who treat me poorly. Um, if, if someone hurts me, I want to hurt them back. If someone is mean to me, I want to be mean back. If someone cuts me off, I want to get ahead of them and cut them off. Right? And I don't think I'm alone. I think that most of us are programmed that way. or we think we're wired that way. I think most of us have mastered the habit of reacting negatively to the people who treat us poorly. So how should we react? Well, I love the way Proverbs 15:23 uh, puts it. Proverbs 15:23, last verse. "A person finds joy in giving an apt answer, an apt reply. A person finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word." The literal translation of this verse is, "A man receives joy by the answer of his mouth. A man receives joy by the answer of his mouth." In other words, how you react. How you react when someone treats you poorly can either give you joy or not give you joy. It all depends on how you react. And it can give you joy. If how you react doesn't escalate the conflict, if how you react when someone says something mean to you, if how you react doesn't elevate the tensions, if how you react doesn't exacerbate the situation, then your heart will be filled with joy. That's what this says. For example, I'll give you an example. Right. If I said to Cheryl, that was one of the lousiest dinners you've ever made. Right. If I said that to her. And and what, what would happen if she reacted by saying, well, if you don't like it, don't eat it. For all I care, you can go hungry. Well, then, of course, I'm going to react to that. Right. Well, fine. I'll just go to McDonald's. Right. If that's the way you want. And wh- what happens all of a sudden? Right. World War three right and i 'm sleeping on the couch right and it's, and it just escalates and it gets it just gets really bad well fortunately she 's a good cook, so i 've never said that right <laughs> but you can only imagine but, but here 's the thing an apt answer an apt answer will, will give me joy sometimes an apt answer means I zip it right sometimes. You know, and what if she reacted, you know, what if she reacted, well, what if I, she reacted differently, you know, what if she reacted differently? And if I said that was the lousiest dinner you ever made, what if she racked an apt answer? Here's an apt answer. You know, I'm so sorry. I know I wasn't all here today. I'm gonna, I'll try better. Or let me remake it. Wow, you know, if she said that, oh, and then I'll feel bad. Like, she, I mean, I'm sorry. Hey, that was good. It was really good, you know? <laughs> I mean, all of a sudden your heart is full of joy, right? But I think, I think so much of the conflicts that especially couples face is because we react to one another. Someone says something, we react to it, and then all of a sudden it escalates, and then you don't even remember what, you, what you're fighting about in the first place. And so how, how about if we just think about an apt answer? And sometimes it just means that you don't respond. It's better to bite your tongue. So remember, you can't control how someone treats you but you can control how you react to someone who treats you poorly, All right? So in summary, who's your neighbor? It's anyone who is in close physical proximity to where you're at. How do you treat them? By speaking words of acknowledgement and by speaking words of affirmation. Say hi and lift them up. And church, if we do that, if we will do that, then we will be well on our way to becoming the kindest place On earth. Amen? Amen. All right, let's close in prayer. Father, we just come before you today, and Lord, every one of us, we can all admit, we can all confess that we are broken and sinful people. And Lord, it, it isn't in us to be nice, it isn't in us to be kind, it isn't in us, to be friendly. And, and as we look about us, man, if it, wasn't with, if it wasn't for your Holy Spirit filling us, then we would just be like what the rest of the world is like getting worse every single day. So Father, thank you first of all for forgiving us and for being so gracious to us. Forgive us when we don't react the way we need to react. And Lord, I pray now that you would do a work in us, that we would begin, not just today, but every day, for as long as you have us here, to acknowledge each other with a simple hello, with a warm smile, with a warm handshake, and help us to begin to affirm one another, to say positive things, not only to each other, Lord but even in our own homes, with our own children, with our own spouses, with our own classmates, and with our own coworkers. So, Lord, do a work in us so that it can be said, South Bay Community Church, it is the kindest place on earth. Lord, we love you, and we thank you. Thank you for your word. Seal these truths to our heart that we might be different as we walk out of here today. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.